Hello and welcome to Long Story Short. We are Jade, Stevie and I'm Elle. We're three childhood best friends who'll be discussing everything life has had to throw at us and all the lessons that we've learned in between. You're guaranteed completely honest, unfiltered opinions and a few laughs along the way. Oh, and just a warning, no story will ever be short. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can click follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello girls. So we have gone virtual and today's episode is a bit of a catch up episode because we've, I'm not going to lie girls, our Januaries couldn't have been any different, all three of us. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy and it's really odd recording virtually because I can see both of your faces when we're together, we're all sitting around so I'm not looking at either of you, it's really bizarre. It's so weird, yeah we've literally had such different starts to the new year haven't we and we're going to delve into that a little bit more with a life update um just to tell you a little bit about what's coming up on the episode i'm going to be talking about all things acting i've landed a blinding role and had a Woo-hoo! real good start to january Woo-hoo! a real good start to january i've only just got back to the uk um i have been here for 48 hours the longest i've been here since boxing day and i've had a fucking shit (laughs) (laughs) i am um well i started the year with a two-week kidney infection and i am now three weeks into surgery recovery and i go back in for my second surgery in two days so I have done nothing interesting for the entirety of 2023, but we're going to get to that because, as Jade said to me earlier, you've learnt some lessons. So before I come to my point, I will try and think of those lessons that I've learnt this year. <laughs> and we will... Do you know what, though? Positivity. It is so good. Well, it's not good because I'm not happy that you've had a shit around, but... I just think this reflects real life so much, how you can have yeah. three people who are so close and you can have such a different start to the year. You can have different things going on in your life. And for everybody who listens to us, we're usually really positive. And the reality is you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Everyone can put a front on. Everyone can portray something on social media. So hopefully this insight into our lives will uh, be quite interesting for you all absolutely we've got some funny stories we've got some heartbreaking moments uh but i tell you what it is one thing it is real there you go you're gonna get the real fucking life january february what's been going on from us but before we get there stevie's word of the week okay so this one is actually quite a fun one titty nope what titty nope Titty Nope. T-I-T-T-Y-N-O-P-E. Titty Nope. Titty That's nope. when men try it on with women and they go for a boob grab and people are like, excuse me, Titty Nope. Titty Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking wish it is that. Titty Nope. Jesus. Oh, titty God. Nope. I feel like Titty Nope is going to be, I don't know, it's going to be a... I think it's something to do with language. I think it's like something in the way that we speak. Yeah, I feel like it's the same way. A titty note. That's like she made a titty note. Oh, fucking (laughs) hell. I reckon it's like, you know, when people talk and they go up at the end of a sentence or like down at the end of a sentence, I think that's a titty note. Titty note. I think that's great, Elle. And I would totally agree with you had Stevie not have given a virtually unfamiliar very familiar look (laughs) actually so i'm gonna go with titty nope is actually a um it's actually a pair of shoes (laughs) literally (laughs) clutching at straws clutching at straws a titty nope is pointed shoes she wore those titty nopes with style oh i love oh okay well as always, you're nowhere near. <laughs> but it is something that you could probably use. I, I feel like people would give you funny looks. But titty nope are... Oh, hang on. This is not a very good definition. This is the one where I fact-checked it. One moment. Everything's frozen. So titty nope is 
a small quantity of anything left over, specifically food or drink, such as a few beans on the dinner plate or the dregs at the bottom of a cup. I always leave a titty nope on my hot drinks. <gasps> I always leave a titty nope on my hot drinks. Me too. I think that's a universal thing because I remember actually <laughs> when my uncle used to do it and I was like, why do you leave? Because I never used to do it but like until I got a little bit older and I was like, why do you always leave a little bit of tea in the cup? And he was like, because I've dunked my biscuits and it's got all biscuit crumbs. Well, Jade, that's exactly the same as me. I think like the old tea bags didn't used to be as good. So they used to usually end up with like tea leaves because my nan always used to say, oh, because you get all the dregs at the bottom and like the tea yeah. leaves. Yeah. Dregs. So good. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Stevie. Oh, I love I, that. So, so I'm going to say to someone, oh, don't drink that. That's the titty nopes. <laughs> yes. Or you've left titty nopes at the bottom. Tom, go away. You can't have my titty nopes. <laughs> absolute dusting. Stop eating my titty nopes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you God. so much, Stevie. That was a wonderful <laughs> word of the week. Back with a virtual bang. <laughs> so, we have decided on a bit of a structure. I mean, I say structure in the loosest possible way. Um, I'm going to give my update. Then we're going to go to Ellie and then we'll go over to Jade. So, um, yeah. We're I mean, as we've already alluded. Because mine's depressing. So we're sandwiching me with the two positive, really good stories. Oh, L. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm quite buzzing to talk about it, really. So you can all feel sorry for me. And if anyone wants to send flowers, or gifts or chocolate or whatever I'll put my address in at the end oh honestly do you know what though considering I know a lot about it like we've obviously been talking about it I've got so many questions that I want to ask yeah. so um I'm going to take this opportunity on behalf of everyone to ask you them <laughs> ask away Stevie hit us with the last six five or six weeks of your life oh my god do you know what it was just bloody incredible. So for those of you um, that don't follow me on social media, I've actually been in Australia and New Zealand for the last six weeks. So did three weeks in Australia, three weeks in New Zealand. It's been planned for like a year. So I actually felt really guilty when I was going because it's like cost of living, all these like terrible things are going on in the world. And there's me like, oh, yeah, you know, Boxing Day, I'm just jetting off halfway across the world. So I felt a bit conflicted. But do you know what? I just had the most incredible, incredible time. Like, And even now, I can't believe I'm back. I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I'm back. And I just... Travel is one of them things that just enriches my soul. It brings me alive. So after being locked up, during COVID, to have this trip planned has just been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I just don't really know what else to say. Okay, I feel a you? bit emotional. Yeah, we're we're going to ask you. This trip, it wasn't, well, it, it was once in a lifetime because you decided, didn't you, basically just to do everything amazing that you could possibly do in the places that you went to. It was like, you probably, well, I don't know, maybe you will go back to Australia, but this was like the trip, wasn't it? Yeah, this was 100% the trip. And I genuinely, I never thought I'd get to Australia. I always thought it's too far to just do a holiday from work. Realistically, I'm too far into my career to take a break from it. So I'm never going to get to Australia and do what I wanted to do. And I can't actually believe that I got the time off. I was so fortunate that they've let me be like, hi, can I use all my annual leave up and uh, come back? And they were like, yeah, sure, go for it. So um, even from that perspective, I'm so fortunate because it's such a long way. Thank God it's a long way, girls, because I'd probably move there tomorrow. Steve, it's unbelievable. Like? Because I can't imagine oh. a flight that long. Right. Bizarrely, the route that I did was seven hours to Doha and then 14 hours from Doha to Brisbane. I think the flight to Doha was the worst because in my head, I was like, it's the shorter flight, it's going to be easier, it's the 14-hour flight that's going to be the killer. But because I'd psyched myself up for the 14 hours, 
the seven hour one, I was like, oh my God, when am I getting off this plane? But girls, you know, I'm getting old because my legs swelled so much. My mum was like, look at the size of your legs. I was like, oh no. Like, I've just, <laughs> I literally look like elephant feet. Like, it was mental. Like, you know, when you're like, I can, f-. like, they were all tight. And I was like, oh my God, I definitely didn't drink enough water or move around enough. But yeah, it was hard. The flight was long and hard, but it was so worth it because Australia and New Zealand were incredible, absolutely incredible. Okay, yeah. so you need to detail it to us. You need to tell us, okay, for anyone that's listening that really wants to go travelling, but like you, has a full-time, super busy job, like tell us from start to finish where the inspiration came from to go to those places, like you've already kind of said, but how did you go about planning it and making it work alongside your full-time job? Because like, there are so many people that we know that, or that probably listen as well that have full-time jobs want to do traveling can't afford to like well not can't afford to but can't afford to like quit their job and stuff like that in order for it to happen so like how did you go about choosing planning saving knowing which airlines to go with realistically what was the cost so people kind of know yeah. like you know what's a bracket a benchmark that yeah. people could expect that traveling like that could do and like what are your like I guess, like, do's and don'ts in preparation for, and then... So, sorry, that was a lot to throw at you. Right. Sorry. (laughs) You're fine. You're absolutely fine. I think the most terrifying thing for me was asking for the time off, because... By that point, I'd already decided that I kind of wanted to go. And I thought, if they say no to me, I'm going to be gutted. Um, So I think timing of when you are going is like key. So I knew that I was going to go on Boxing Day or around Christmas because there was quite a lot of bank holidays. So I knew it would be quite a quiet time at work anyway because a lot of people are off. January, predominantly for my area, is quite quiet. So I thought, right, this could work. It's also Australia and New Zealand's summer, apparently, but I'll get onto that a little bit later on. So when I asked for it, I sort of knew that it was going to be a quiet time at work. So that helped. And then once I got the approval, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I love planning trips, but I take my inspiration from travel companies. So I cannot tell you how many travel companies and itineraries I looked at and worked out how many days I had, what they do on these tours, what they do, like how they travel around, do they hire cars, are you on an overnight bus, that sort of stuff. And we also got a quote from a travel company. And when I say it was extortionate, it was extortionate. Like the flights, they priced up flights and accommodation for us, but no transport in between. So it was literally flights to Australia and back from Australia and the accommodation for, I think we were there for like 42 nights or something ridiculous and we managed to do flights all of our transport all of our hotels spending money and activities for pretty much the same price that they quoted us for flights and hotels so if you've got the time it definitely pays to plan it yourself and do you know what you can't really go wrong as long as you know exactly what you want to do you can plan it yourself you just need the time and to save the money to do it you need time anyway so yeah I just poured over itineraries blogs everything and just went with that and the thing is to do that as well because you arrange like especially trips you are just like the perfect person to arrange a trip because you love doing that like do you remember when we said like oh well well we should go away for a little trip and then in like a day you had different options different flights all of these things i just feel like you thrive on that sort of thing as well i just love it i just love adventure and it doesn't have to be extravagant adventure it's just different places different people different cultures like I just bloody love it so and the thing is I get a bit obsessed like I lost sleep over the route because I was like it just doesn't quite fit together but then because of that I just kind of well not me 
on my own, my friend who I went with, who massive shout out to Katie because we just had the best bloody time. We just sat there and worked through all the different ways of doing things until we found one that we were like, yep, no, we're set on that. We're doing it. So yeah, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's very expensive, but we had the best part of a year to save up for it. I knew what I wanted to be spending my money on. So it was very easy for me to save. I was quite happy to say, no, I'm not coming out for dinner because I knew that my money was going to be going towards something incredible at the end of it. I had like a goal at the end, if that makes sense. And I always find it really hard to save if I've got nothing that I'm saving for. Whereas once I'd booked the flights, that's it. I was like, I need this money because otherwise I'm going to get over there and not be able to do anything. That's so true. I think that's such a big thing, isn't it, actually? Because people are like, I don't have the money, I don't have the money, I don't have the money. Like, it's too expensive and shit is expensive. So absolutely make it a plan ahead and just, I think that's so right. I mean, I'm, I'm not too bad at saving money, but I can be a little bit frivolous in the sense of like oh let's just go out and have a nice bit of lobster tonight and you're like "Mm, did you really need that jay but actually it's nice to treat yourself now and then but if i had if i had a journey like a a, you know a holiday trip and things like that then i'd be like absolutely not that i think that's such a good like mindset hack anyway isn't it like if you book something or if you have a goal or something that you want to achieve then every time that you want to go out and have that night out or spend that extra bit of cash or buy a round, you go, "Mm, actually, I'd rather buy a round in the middle of this country or that country or whatever. Yes. um, That's a really good like mindset hack. I need to adopt that. And it's like every payday we would sit in my mum's kitchen with a laptop, an iPad, a notepad, and we would be like, right, we've just had payday. Let's book hotels for the next week let's book the activities that we're going to do within that week. So like we'd actually paid quite a lot of it off before we even got there. So we were only really left with sort of some ad hoc travel, random things that we were like, oh, actually, we want to do that. And like spending money at the end of it. So it, it just worked really well. And I mean, it's a long way to go. We met so many people who were really sort of tight on money really watching what they were doing and they were backpacking and I've been there I've done backpacking I've scrimped and I've scraped but we didn't have the time to do it like that people are over there for a year or at least three months we literally had six weeks so um, we had to be really hot with our money basically but it was phenomenal absolutely phenomenal once in a lifetime trip And I can't believe how lucky I am. That See, this is where I struggle. I know I was incredibly lucky to go and do it. And I actually feel emotional about the things that we did because it was so amazing. But then on the flip side, I work bloody hard. Like, we saved and we put our heart and our soul into it. And that was our priority for a year. So, yes, I am lucky. But equally... I feel really yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. but then I feel a bit bad to be like I deserve it but yeah it's weird (laughs) like nobody gave that to you like mummy and daddy didn't pay for the trip and you know what if you're in that scenario then bloody good for you you go and go on all the holidays but you worked your ass off for every bit of that so yes you're lucky because you got to go and have an amazing time and anyone who is like well and healthy and can go and do these things is lucky but you deserve to do that because you made that happen no one else yeah Yeah, that's very true definitely this dialogue i think we um i think we struggle with most especially as women though but this this thing of like you know like i don't deserve that oh gosh i shouldn't you know i should be so grateful and i should i should be really you know i'm so lucky yeah you are all of those things like ellie said but no one made that happen but you so actually you're not fucking lucky. You are. You, you. You. You're well within your damn right to spend your money where you like to. You work hard yeah. enough for it. You planned hard enough for it, and you, you know you made it your priority. Fucking pat on the back, honey. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Well done. Thanks, girls. For looking after yeah. you and putting you first. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. If you out of the whole trip, if you could have only done three of the things, what would be your free top thing? I know that's like the oh my worst God. question, but if you had, I to... knew you was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know what? The whole way through the trip, we would do something new, and then we would be like, "Oh, what's your top three? 
and we'd be like, oh, geez, this is getting so mm-hmm. difficult. Oh, my God. It was right. Number one, swimming on the Great Barrier Reef or snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef blew my mind. <gasps> like you hear so many stories about um, it's dying. It's not as good as it used to be. And to be honest, I've never really I enjoy snorkeling, but I've never been blown away by what I've seen. Yeah. It's always in. I don't know. It's just never how the pictures are. But the Great Barrier Reef blew me away. Giant clams were the thing that blew my mind. They were fucking massive girls honestly like as big as my I couldn't put my arms around them huge beautiful colors barrier reef blew my mind oh what else okay so we did wild swimming with dolphins in New Zealand and that was just phenomenal it was the weirdest experience because they basically chuck you off the back of a boat then these dolphins just swim around you and you feel like you're in their environment. Like, you know, you go to a zoo and you look at animals, but it, you're in the middle of the sea and these dolphins are just swimming around you. That blew my mind. Do you know what? We did a heli hike as well. So um, we were in New Zealand again. We got a helicopter up to a glacier and then we hiked across the glacier. And genuinely, I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is the worst decision I've ever made. There's big crevices. You're hooked on with like this little bit of rope, like, but it was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, Do you know no. what girls? I actually can't remember what else I did. I know that sounds nuts, but there's so much. It was, it was just phenomenal. Like, oh, it just, so incredible such a good trip and you know what I would just say to everybody you always think you have time you don't know how much time you've got I know that's a really morbid thing to say but you always think you've got time if you want to do something set your mind to it and just go and do it because it's these experiences that enrich my life and I think I just it just makes me so happy I just feel like at peace. So, yeah. Steve, I think we're probably going to need to do a whole travel episode with like tips and tricks, hacks, things to pack, things not to pack, where to go, where not to go. Like, I think we're going to have to do a whole like New Zealand, Australia, travellers fucking tales. I don't know. We're going to need to do it because I think it's (laughs) travellers tales. Steve, it's travellers tales. Oh, girls. I have got a funny story for you. This fucking cracked me up. I can't remember if I told you in the voice notes. So, girls, I had two moments on holiday, one which was my fault, one which wasn't my fault but was equally hilarious. So I'll tell you the one which wasn't my fault. But anyway, we was in a pub and it was a proper Aussie pub. There was proper Australians there who just were so much fun. They're so friendly, so much fun. And um, everybody is so open and is like, oh, if you come to where I live, just stay with me. And I know I did an episode where I was like, it's weird. I wouldn't stay with people, blah, blah, blah. I take it back. The Aussies have changed my mind. This guy that we were talking to, he was like, girls, if you ever come to Newcastle, come and stay with me because it's amazing. I'll take you out, blah, blah, blah. Completely platonic, just a nice guy, right? He then said, how should we stay in contact if you do come back and he asked for our email address now that's that's wholesome steve oh fuck off (laughs) have you ever been asked for your email address before in your life i mean yeah that's that should be the norm Oh, that's yeah, a little pen pal, bless him. Yeah, and then the other story. Like oh a, my god, that was a very uh, that was a very tame story, Stevie. That was a no, very tame story. Very tame story. story. Oh, I just hate myself. I absolutely hate myself for this one, even though it wasn't on purpose. So uh, we were on a place called um, Fraser Island, and there's a freshwater lake called Lake Mackenzie. It's absolutely beautiful. And I was speaking to two people in our group who were from Switzerland. So English was their second language. And out the corner of my ear, I can hear the guys in the group having a conversation with the guide. So the guide said the sand is so pure that you can like exfoliate with it and you can put it in your hair and you can use it as like shampoo. So I said to the Swiss... Sand? Shampoo? Fuck off. So it gets... 
it gets better. So I said to the Swiss couple, oh, did you hear what he said? You can use the sand as an exfoliator and as a shampoo. So then we go to Lake Mackenzie. We're all exfoliating. So I said to Katie, who I was traveling with, can you use the sand as shampoo? Is that what the guy said? And she was like, no. I was like, oh my God, I've told the Swiss couple that they can use the sand as shampoo. <laughs> I looked over, the poor girl is putting sand in her hair. No. Katie was like, you've got to tell her, you've got to tell her. I was like, I can't fucking tell her. I can't tell her. So then to make the situation better, Jade, I was like you when you just don't shut up talking. I then started putting sand in my hair so that she wasn't on her own. Oh, I was like, that is the last time I try and be nice and like tell people things because it came from the best place. Oh and I was like, oh, this poor girl, she's got sand all in that her hair now. brilliant. I was... Steve. Honestly, I know. I just was like, what, oh, I just want to die right now. In all fairness to you, Steve, like, what dickhead takes that on board and goes, <laughs> she didn't even question you. It'd be like, hold on a minute, hun. You sure? Like, how is it going to foam up? <laughs> Honestly, you should have just fucking recorded it. That was some you, you been oh, friend God. shit. She had really long hair as well. Oh, I felt no, awful. <laughs> oh, God. So, oh, it sounds like absolute heaven, Steve. There is going to be more oh. stories that come out over the next few weeks. I am sure of that, at least. Yes, they will. And also, can I just do a massive shout out to you, Elle? Because I was like, right, I'm going to document this whole trip on social media and make reels Yay. and videos. I literally got three days in and was like, fuck oh. this. It is so much hard work. I lost the will to live. I did love a story <laughs> while she was away, though. Absolutely loved it. We had some pans of some, some landscapes. I enjoyed it oh. so much. Like an absolute stalker followed Stevie's friend who she went with because I thought Stevie ain't going to bloody upload. So Katie will. So I'm going to stalk <laughs> Katie and see what Stevie's up to. Thanks, Steve. Oh, We're amazing, so glad Steve. that you're back. Selfishly, we've missed you. Oh, I've missed you too. So, whilst I was having a fantastic 2023, sorry, Elle, <laughs> just to show everybody that everybody's life is so different, I'm giving you updates on like the Great Barrier Reef, and Elle, you're giving us updates on like arguably one of the most difficult times in your life. So, Without further ado, I'll hand it over to you. No, I mean, thank you very much. But um, oh, girls, it's so hard to know where to begin. It honestly is. And poor Jade popped around to see me. I, I was going to say I look like Hagrid, but R.I.P. Hagrid, probably not the best person to say I look like. But I, I have been a feral little monster for the last three weeks. So, she, but what I meant was she's probably heard so much of this. I, I'm trying... When people ask me about it, I think I said this to Jade as well, I really, so much of what I've always done is laughed everything off, you know, tried to see the positive side, bringing, bring the humour, but with this, I'm really trying to not do that and to just be like, no, no, it was hell on earth because it was and, and I'm not, there are positives to come from it and I'm really happy to talk about it because there was so much that I wasn't told and that people don't get told from doctors and that there was so much that I learnt myself and there was so much that I was told online because I have a little Fowler's community. So yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna dive straight in. For anyone that doesn't know, I have Fowler syndrome. For me, I also have an overactive bladder. So I went into complete retention two and a half years ago. There isn't really any treatments for Fowler's. So I was gonna say I've exhausted all my options, but really what I was given was pelvic floor physio, which did fuck all, but I had a lovely physio. And then I had acupuncture, which again, didn't do anything which was very, was expected. I also tried medication, didn't do anything. So my only, well, there was two options there. If one wasn't really appropriate, I'll get to that later. But I basically had my sacral nerve stimulation operation in January. So it was on the 17th of Jan, and this had been booked in for a few months. So, I mean, you girls know more than anyone and my family as well that it wasn't something I was excited about. In fact, I I said I was 50-50, but I think for the most part, I thought I would drop out. I really didn't expect myself to go through with it because for anyone that's never heard of it, because why would you? How do I, how do I long story short an SNS? It is essentially a bit of a pacemaker. When you say full retention, you mean that you can't go to the toilet. You can't pass urine. Yes, 
Exactly, exactly. So when this first started, I woke up and I literally lost the ability to eat altogether. So I was in full retention. And then after a couple of weeks, I had an indwelling catheter, which is a catheter that you have in in the urethra all the time and it connects to a bag and then i was taught to self-catheterize so in the last two and a bit years yeah sorry i should have explained that thank you for nudging me on that steve i have i can go i have partial retention so i can go by myself and then a lot of the time also i have to self-catheterize so the sns was um an operation that i was having in the hope of reducing the frequency from 35 solid peas a day down to something a bit more manageable and also hopefully making me catheterize less so that was the aim of the operation the op is essentially a bit of a pacemaker so there are wires that go into the s3 nerve in the spine that uh that control the urethra and some other bits in the bladder but basically they're aiming for the s3 so i had a trial phase first which was meant to last for two weeks so there was wires coming out of that nerve out of my skin into a battery pack which then bluetooth connected to a phone and i could control the settings on the phone that was going straight through to the nerve in the hope that i this is actually quite interesting i i personally think so the way that sns is meant to work is it's meant to block all of the signals that your brain and your bladder for me bladder anyway it also the same operation is for your bowel it's meant to block all of those signals and replace it with their own signals so it's almost meant to, so every time my bladder 24 7 is like i need to go i need to go i need to go i like to think that the sns was going to be like bitch you don't you don't need to go and you don't need to yeah. catheterize you're going to work like a little dream now my sns was not quite as assertive as i wanted it to be and didn't quite work how i wanted it to be but that is essentially how an sns works so yeah on the 17th while stevie was probably snorkeling the great barrier <laughs> oh. i was i went in for my <laughs> operation and i'm not gonna lie girls no one could have prepared me for literal like trauma i can only describe it as trauma for numerous reasons and also i'm being really honest about the sns because i want anyone having it to have an honest idea but also i'm being really honest so i'm i'm saying exactly how it was not to put you off because i'm just putting it out out there now even if we didn't decide to go ahead with it, I will never regret doing it because I had to give it a go. So if there's anyone that is like being offered it and you can't bear the thought of carrying on as you are, I don't mean morbidly, but just like you really, your condition is that bad that you have to do something give it a go you've got i don't want to say you've got nothing to lose because you there are certain things that could happen and you definitely can there are risks to weigh up but personally for me i went for it so i go in i have my operation uh, well, I go in first of all and even silly little things like I thought that my mum, dad and Tom could come in what like one stage further than they could and then they were like Adams room number three and I was like oh can they come through and they was like no so really early on straight away I was like okay bye and then like took all my things and was in this like huge little room in the surgical admissions ward by myself and I was just like pottering around like just trying to keep myself occupied so even that was like I just wasn't it was just really overwhelming instantly had the operation done and basically because of the sedation that i had and because of the amount of morphine that i had girls i woke up and i thought i was dying i my whole back was like on fire because for, so for the sns and the trial i had three incisions wires coming out of one side wires that were thread through from the other side and they had like something else helping everything go on inside and then the main incision at the back which is where the battery goes in some people have that in stage two i had it in stage one so i woke up obviously with like all of this incision pain and then this lovely recovery nurse just like one morphine in two morphine in i can't feel a thing at this point and then she comes around with a third and i thought to myself that's a lot of morphine i've had there and then i also <laughs> thought i'm desperate for a piss but I, I couldn't have cared less at that point because i was high as a kite but then also because of having fowlers i'm obviously so attuned to being in retention and partial retention and full retention and i just thought oh my god i'm not going to be able to go so long story short and you know this ain't going to be a short story at any point i i was like nurse i really need to wee she was like bedpan i said you can bring a bedpan but please could we also bring a commode please because because all of my belongings were locked away somewhere else so i knew i needed my glasses because i'm blind blind as a bat i knew i needed my calf mirror and i knew i needed my catheters now when i go in in two days time i will make sure they come through with me so that when i'm in recovery i have those straight away because i then had to wait till i was on the ward so anyway i come around i tried the bedpan i tried the commode i can't piss i'm like i really need to get my catheters and my cath mirror now so now i'm panicking 
and I'm in all the pain, but sort of pain, sort of high, like off my face. Then the woman's coming around teaching me how to use my new device. I was barely even awake and I'm like, I've got this phone and I'm turning up the things. I, it was so much. And then about an hour and a half later, I get to the ward, obviously completely desperate at this point. And somehow, so with, um, with the SNS, you're not allowed to bend, lift or do any, basically do anything but walk for the whole of the trial. And then if you have the, if you have the main device put in, if it's successful, then for like, uh, I think it's like six to eight weeks after. So because it can dislodge the wires. So you have to be really careful. Now, when I catheterize, I'm bending over, I'm doing all this stuff. So I just thought, how the fuck am I going to do this? But I was so desperate. I knew I needed to get it out. So somehow, anyway, I've slung myself in the toilet. I'm like trying to, you know, like when you, you go down, but with your knees. So I'm not bending my back. But obviously I'm still like got sedation and morphine. My knees could barely carry, carry me. Girls, is this not the most me thing ever to happen? So I haven't had a period of my own in forever because I have PCOS. So I'll go months and months without having one. I've got no sign of a period beforehand. I'm absolutely fine. I'm flying high. I'm happy as a kite, apart from I'm really not. I go into the toilet. I somehow get my mirror on the toilet seat. I somehow lower myself down. I somehow get my catheter ready. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a murder scene down there. And there's loads of tissue and things all stuck to my vag. Like, what? what is going on? I come on my period mid-surgery. Oh my gosh. Oh, L. <laughs> And they've obviously. I mean, that is literally just your luck. That is. It is only you who could have like the the most random fucking bit of luck. But also, why didn't they bloody well put a pair of like? I don't suppose they could because you've got incisions. I was gonna say, why don't you put a pair of those the weird underwear that you get there and maybe a sanitary towel? That was on, but no. Do you know what though? Even without the period, you are there with bladder issues. Why was nobody making sure you were all right as soon as you came out of that operation? And why was no nobody there to help or assist or do any of that it's just ridiculous I know, and that's what I feel so passionate about because it just it shouldn't be that way and no one warns me like mm-hmm. also a massive thing that I've missed but I'm aware that I'm going to talk for ages is before I went in the registrar came to see me and was like so things that could go wrong you can lose feeling in your leg you could be in loads of pain down the left side of your leg sometimes it stops working out of the blue basically all of these bad things and I just thought why wasn't this said to me when mm-hmm. we decided to do this months ago you've decided an hour before I'm about to have my operation to tell me that I might lose feeling in my leg so oh that was the other thing like when I come round, first thing I did I'm moving my toes and I'm thinking okay I can move my toes I still got feeling in my toes I'm moving my legs I'm like right okay I can still do that that's how scary and invasive and well it's it's your nerves isn't it it's literally like stimulating your nerves so it was fucking overwhelming and then yeah so I managed to catheterize how I did it by myself I don't know and then slowly as the morphine was wearing off oh my good god the pain pain. and then my mum and Tom come up at that point and I mean quite literally Tom was holding me and lowering me down my mum was trying to wipe the blood away because you can't push that back in with a catheter because of infection it was oh girl it was it was a nightmare and the thing is which we'll get to I'm probably going to have this again in two days time but it's fine so I had that I got distracted well I would never have stayed in because they said I didn't need to if I didn't want to and to be honest the nurses I couldn't have stayed in because they weren't available to help me as much as I needed the help so I needed Tom and my mum and my dad and everyone just there doing things moving me and, and doing god knows what so yeah the first few days full of pain really really rough but because I was told that my it wouldn't actually work for like five days because it takes time for the stimulation to get in mentally I was quite relaxed um obviously I was just waiting to be able to wee by myself again that was really difficult but after about 24 hours it started to started to ease a bit and I was like thank fuck for that and then it was just like I'm in agony but like we'll deal with this but one thing that no one will ever talk about because NHS, the NHS will never give you a leaflet saying like, be mentally prepared. But my God, I can't tell you the emotional, mental torture waiting for it to work because you're sitting there, you're you're in so much pain. You mm-hmm. can't do anything. You can't bend over. My mum and dad were washing me head to toe. They definitely didn't touch my hair. My hair could walk off my head after two weeks without being washed. <sighs> but you know, everyone's doing everything for you. And then you're just sitting there thinking, and also I had to do a bladder diary. So I was very aware of 
the ins and outs everything that was going on and yeah it was fucking rough because we thought we had a really good day on like day eight and also in this time on every day that's passing i'm thinking no change yet no change you're losing your hope you're losing the will everyone said to me be patient be positive and i think i'm a positive person but i mean never anything like it in my life it's been hell but i really feel like this has been like such a a life-changing thing mentally for me because i just I, I don't imagine ever going through anything like it again and obviously i share it online because my job is online and i really want to help people and people need that but with that came a lot of questions and a lot of a lot of things so yeah i mean i'm not even going to say long story short because there's so, just so much to say but as the days went on obviously the pain of the incisions start to heal and and ease a little it took two weeks to not be in like agonizing pain at every movement um i thought i had a day eight came and it was like miracle day and i i went two hours without weeing which as you both know never happens and i was like oh my fucking god it's working it's kicking in it's working I'm actually, I feel quite emotional now. It's a miracle I ain't cried yet. And we were like, me and my mum were high-fiving and we were like, oh my God, this is it. Like my life is about to change. This is what we're waiting for. Like we've gone through hell because of this. And we've like named my bladder and we were like, oh my God, go on, like little Bessie, like you're fucking killing it. Or someone said to me, like, it's really important to have a good connection between the, the brain and the, the bladder from like holistic points of view. So I was like positive talking my bladder every day. And then that that night I woke up eight times in the night to wee and it was the next day was the worst day that I'd had yet then that was rock <sighs> bottom and that basically was what I had through the whole of my trial so to cut a really long story short with in most cases with SNS to be classed as a success you need to see improvements of 50% and above which I didn't see so as far as the entire trial it had failed for me even though I could see some improvements so after about 10 days I like went through the night waking up twice which is like doesn't ever happen for me little differences here I wasn't needing to catheterize as much but I was still going 20 times a day so still really really difficult but really marginal improvements and obviously I was back and forth to the hospital seeing doctors and scientists and god knows what um and it got to the point where I couldn't tell what different I knew it had made a small difference not enough to do anything so I went for my appointment and this is you know I, I'm fine with it and I'm pleased with the outcome but it's really sad because it shows mm -hmm. how little funding treatments everything there are for Fowlers because because I had no other options my surgeon said that we would never put the main device in because you're not near 50% but if we take this out you have nothing else to try because we've exhausted all your options so you basically your options are go back to normal without thus far having any other treatment options to try or put it in have 20 odd percent improvement whatever we guessed it as and hope that you don't get the complications that long-term SNS users have so it's like it's fine and I'm fine with it because as you both know at that point I just needed an answer I needed Needed. like bearing in mind wires are hanging out on my back every second of every day so every movement I'm worried about pulling the wires all through the night when I'm moving it's just been really really difficult and anyway we've got that answer and so that's what I'm having so um, it's now been three weeks I go in for my well it's three weeks tomorrow I go in for my second operation on Wednesday so in two days time and then I'm gonna go through the whole thing again <laughs> basically in the hope that with that a lot they said if we do some medication by itself on a case you're severe it would never do anything alongside the sns it might give five percent so by the end of this whole journey i might get 25 percent improvement which look is hard in it because you take what you can get but it's been it's been a lot a lot for 25 percent yeah. improvement yeah, like I've seen it and you are such a positive person. Honestly, Steve, I went round there and she, bless her mum and dad, uh, they, they popped out and we was having a chat. And I remember you just crying and saying, I just want it to work, not for me, but for them. Because I can't watch them be sad anymore. I can't watch them be hopeful and not give them the results. And I honestly, you broke my heart because you were so like... It was you going through it, and yet here you were going, I just want it to work for my family so that they don't worry about me anymore. And I couldn't have, like, it couldn't have summed you up anymore throughout this whole process because as much as this is something you're doing for you you've absolutely done this for the people that you love because you don't want you, you know and that, and obviously that couldn't be furthest from the truth they only want it to work for you but you like you are so selfless and so positive you literally laugh in the face of adversity but to watch you go through it honestly I couldn't have been in I cannot be in more awe of you and to think that you're going 
back under the knife to for this five percent this this five percent that will come we're staying positive this five percent that will top you up to 25 percent but it's been a fucking lot and i'm so proud of you and i really feel like we, we're so proud of you and we're gonna absolutely see you changing and reforming the way that this procedure happens and educating people that are going to go in with information that's going to be helpful and you know reforming how surgeons and all of this last minute information is actually not given to people just before they go under the knife because the emotional and the mental hurdles that you already have to come through do not need to be impacted with that kind of information an hour before you go under the knife so um i am so we are so proud of you like love you and well done fucking yeah. hell like i don't know if i could have handled it or have ripped the fucking wires out and been like <laughs> that's it i'm done you know it takes a lot it takes a lot and um i know if anyone could come through this and still find a silver lining it would be you but that doesn't mean to say that those hard times shouldn't be recognized because i think it's really going to help a lot of people like you say there isn't there isn't many options there's not enough funding looking at fowler syndrome and and how to relieve the the symptoms or even cure the symptoms there isn't enough conversation let's be fair there's been some really fucking terrible conversations that you've had with people that actually haven't given much of a shit that's another conversation that needs to be had yeah thank you for sharing that and thank you for being so open and honest because i genuinely think you're going to really make a difference to people listening that want to hear about that and that are concerned so yeah props to you my love yeah do you know what l you're a bloody inspiration i don't understand how you do it and I, I I know you take so much strength from your family and my God, we all love you so much and hope that you get this 25%, which you will get. And I think with medicine, it's constantly evolving. And whilst I always try and look for the silver linings, which is annoying sometimes when it isn't going right, especially when you've put all of your hopes and dreams on, on one thing sort of fixing everything medicine is a wonderful thing that constantly evolves and will campaign with you you will campaign and things will change and hopefully Fowler's gets the recognition that it deserves and the time and the money to give people better outcomes especially when things like this begin because let's be honest when it all started you deserved better treatment and I'm pretty sure the majority of people who go through this have had the same experience as you so thank you girls and and yeah that's you know on on that note like you're so right like and also like one final thing that i would like to say in regards to like the positivity and stuff is also it's okay so much of the time i was so like it's gonna work i'm manifesting it it's gonna work you know all of this positive stuff and then when it got to the point where i knew it was never going to change my life and it might just give a bit of improvement i had to admit accept that and admit defeat because you know tom is amazing but he we laugh that he's like toxically positive and sometimes he'd come home and be like but it's all going to be okay and it was like i can't do this anymore and once i had accepted it is what it is it's not amazing but it's it's a little bit that was easier to digest everything because i just otherwise the the constant waking up and being like right okay today's the day miracle day is too much you give so much energy to keep him positive and also after a while you're just like this is fucking ridiculous i'm not fooling anybody i'm especially not fooling god or whoever's up there looking out for me so it's okay to accept where you're at as well and also one thing that was in my mind was if it does nothing and if it comes out i remember saying to my mum, tom everyone i need help after that like i will need some sort of support because i will be going from having one option left to nothing so i think whatever that is i'm always there i get dm'd every day from people with fowlers l next door please dm me if you've got it if you've got any worries about sns i'll always got so much to chat through but that's you know that's not always enough and if you need to speak to people because it's a fucking shit situation to be in as much as i'm positive like i'm you know i'm not grateful for having fowlers like i you know if i could do anything i would change that so it's great to be positive and it's amazing to have amazing family and friends and everyone around but also just accepting the situation for what it is can just be the easiest thing as well after you've done mm -hmm. the positive vibes do you know what there was a massive change in the voice notes yeah. that i was getting like from you like obviously it was horrific at the beginning but once you had processed and dealt with 
the reality, your voice notes changed. You became like a little bit, I don't know, lighter. I think it was almost that fear, that hope, that desperate wanting it to work. And then the realisation and the processing that perhaps it wasn't as successful or it weren't as successful. I'm still in denial, hoping that it's going to change for you. Accepting the situation and then dealing with that and working through that. I still don't know how you do it. I'm in awe of you. You're just incredible, absolutely incredible. Until suddenly it all catches up with me and then I'll see you soon for a mental breakdown anytime now. (laughs) And now, finally on to Jade because... Oh, God. I really don't feel like I've got much to report. You do. I I mean... uh, I guess well, if I wrap it up in like a long-winded story of uh, this time last year, I guess it might be um, a bit more interesting. So um, if anyone doesn't know, I'm an actress and I have been in the industry for about 10, maybe, yeah, about 10 years. How old am I? Yep, about 10, 11 years, maybe a bit longer. You're forgetting your 30. Uh, Add another yeah, couple like, of years oh, on. Stevie's. <laughs> okay, so if I go back to the beginning, a couple of, ye- couple of years ago, I split with my previous agent after having come out of COVID. And if I go back even further, I guess like I finished drama school, built up loads of momentum and came, you know, kind of really started landing some decent roles and was like brilliant it's on, it's on its way like the tv job's gonna land in a minute and then i had some really great bookings for 2020 and typically like everybody covid happened and um those pencils turn into postponements and then the postponements turn into yeah we're not that job's gone so you know as everybody went through it and then i lost my nan actually that was the quite a pivotal moment because i didn't really grieve for her so kind of came through that summer and everything started opening up again and then we went into last year what was that 2022 you know we had a couple of years working through it and i just I really like, I, just before that, I'd, I'd split with my previous agent, who were wonderful, but, you know, it just wasn't working what I was doing, what they were doing together. We just weren't able to get me through the doors that I wanted to, to get through. So um, we had a really honest conversation. We just parted ways, which as much as I can say it was a mutual decision, which it was, it didn't mean that it hurt any less because I think from that, as in my industry, there's kind of this shame if you're not represented by an agent or an agent that's of stature, you're kind of not taken seriously. And it's already quite a battle to to <laughs> get taken. I remember being starting drama school or even before, like like throughout my life. If I've ever people have ever asked me, What do you do for a living? And I'm like, Oh, I'm an actress, or if I'm at the pub, people be like, Oh, like, oh you're an oh, you're an actress. So what have I seen you in? And there's this really unhealthy rhetoric around declaring to people what your job is. And I am an actress, but in order to be an actress, I literally have to juggle fucking loads of jobs, as do yeah. most artists, actors, etc. I've always been able to do that and always done that really, really well. Don't I like I have to have a job, I have bills to pay, it's as simple as that. So I've always done a good job and been really grateful to be able to do creative jobs and also hospitality jobs because I really feel like they've fed me and they've allowed me to experience life and to what's the word? I guess I don't know, I just experience life differently because I actually have really like enjoyable jobs to have. And anyway, where I'm going with this is this rhetoric of like, oh, what have I seen you in? Or like, I can't see how many times girls, honestly, I have I had this guy in the pub, he was so lovely, but he'd go, oh, you're still doing that dancing thing. And I'd oh, be like, God. bless oh, it. Wow. Like, every <laughs> time I'd be like, uh, no, I'm not actually a dancer, I'm, I'm an actor. Oh, that's it, you're dancing, you act and you sing. And, and I'm just like, Honestly, and then, but then by like the 20th time he's asked me in a year, by this point, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, still doing it, still doing it. So you just kind of have to get a little bit thicker skinned, I guess, as as, the, as you go on, because there's such a shame in our, I think in England, actually, because apparently LA is a lot different. Um, a, f- a friend and director of my, a friend of mine is in LA, and she says like, People are really proud of their side hustles out there. It's a very expected thing to respond to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I work in a pub, I'm an actor, or like I work in a bar or a restaurant, blah, blah, blah. 
over here it feels very different it's just like oh um so i work yeah i i do a bit of teaching but i'm an actor and uh, people just don't even say that they're an actor because they're ashamed to be working other jobs it's kind of changing but it's not so where i'm trying to go with this is i was literally working every job trying to work through grief uh, this was all in like 2021 and then all of a sudden had this really frank conversation with my agent where we was both like this isn't quite working you're wonderful you're wonderful but it is what it is and still maintain a great relationship but then all of a sudden i was like fuck i'm unrepresented i have never been unrepresented since i was 18 and not at drama school so i was like right cool you know i've always booked jobs myself i've always networked and been able to, to book my own work so anyway i um january 2022 i was like fuck like what what's what am I gonna do what am I gonna do in my life like is this it is this where I stop acting and I just accept defeat and be like right I'm gonna be I'm gonna facilitate and run drama workshops and work in a pub and blah, 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 blah. and I just I, I went through a really like just a hard time processing that and then I uh, came across Stephanie who's life coach and well-being coach from a holistic kind of background I'd had like a meeting with her before and I was like if you don't change something nothing's gonna change so I signed up for this 12-week program and worked with her over that 12 weeks honestly it really was life-changing go and check her out Steffi B well-being it kind of allowed me to open up to figure out what was going on with me emotionally mentally dug into a few deep spots that I was I needed to kind of like you know just like work through some really shit things and and also just change my mindset so I just figured like I was like that's who I this is who I am and I started kind of discovering like things that I liked and things that I didn't like and ways that I spoke to myself like the negative rhetoric that I speak honestly there's so many different exercises and things that we worked through I, I was like fuck like I'm, I'm not really kind to myself I'm really fucking horrible to myself and yet I expect to succeed when all I do is put other people first and all of this, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it was a really wonderful and transformative time just when I was ready to give up, I guess. So I spent the whole of last year just being like, what do you want to do, Jade? What things do you, projects do you want to be involved in? What do you need to say no to? Whose energy do you need to give less of yourself to? Like, who's, who do you need to give less of your energy to? And it sounds really wanky, girls. It's all of these sort of like, what, I don't know what people would say, like fucking soul searching and being wholesome and all of that. And it was actually the total opposite. Don't use <laughs> that word. It was the total <laughs> fucking opposite. I actually just said, right, what, who do you say no to? What projects do you want to be involved in? What work do you want to do? How much do you need to be do? Like, how much money do you need to be earning? All at the same time, girls, let's, let's be fair, I was basically on the brink of losing my house. So my family home was going down the pan. I was grieving for my nan. I had, I was unrepresented and worried about my career going completely south and then having to accept that I'd failed that. So I guess I, this work came at the right time or maybe I'd, I'd chose to do it at the right time I guess whatever and then I just kind of started working inwards and stopped chasing the jobs and the dream and kind of made a commitment to myself and was like do the things that make you happy what do you want to do I want to make sure that I'm really good at piano great what are you going to do practice meditation became a big thing for me you know I started reading some really nice great books that were helping me to think about I guess manifestation but also just how to be the best version of myself but for me for nobody else and sure as it was within a few months you know I was working on projects that I enjoyed I was being offered some jobs and stuff and I wasn't chasing it anymore and then I guess at the end of last year I was like okay great I've not landed with the TV role that I was hoping for and it, I wasn't quite at the year 2020 with all those bookings that I had but I definitely was like I'm building momentum the momentum that I felt that I'd built before and then just before Christmas and after my 30th I went for an audition for a role that I really uh, that I'd read in for before but you know wasn't guaranteed to get so I auditioned for it and I just thought you know what just enjoy it stop fucking chasing it just enjoy it let go of of any inhibitions of like trying to be good etc and just before christmas i got some of the great news that i'd landed it and it is a dream role you know i'm, I'm so excited to play it it's a really important story it's funny it's heartbreaking but i landed that and then all throughout this year like things are starting to pop up and but it was only until planting those seeds last year 
if I hadn't have done that work on myself, definitely wouldn't have been open and ready to accept accept the role, I guess, or, it, or yeah. So anyway, I'm waffling now. Uh, but cut a long story short, in 12 months, I guess, I went from not wanting to carry on with my career and then accepting that I would just need to change and just do something that was probably not going to be as fulfilling to, yeah, landing a, a dream role. I've booked, like, a tour for six months, which is like, woo! and so I think it's fun. so easy it's fun it's gonna be great and and it's so easy to compare yourself to others and be like oh you're 30 you're washed up actors are like everyone's just comparing their ages they're like oh what did you do by 30 what did you do but actually do you know what? i'm really fucking happy i've got one job which is to be an actor at the moment and it's just meant that all of my other jobs kind of go on the back burner maybe that's the universe saying commit to the role and that's it do the one job focus on the one thing for the moment which is what i'm gonna gladly do for the next six months i think it's in our industry we're told to be to be able to do all of the things all of the time and actually saying no i refuse and i would like to do the one job for all of the time and that's where my mindset's going to be. Yeah, I've kind of got to that point where I'm like, I'm going to be an actor all the time now. And when people go to me, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an actor. I've just come out of rehearsals. Like, yeah, it feels... And it's always short-lived in that sense of, you know, we go in and out of work all of the time. And it's it's about having good money jobs and good people around you. But, you know, like, I did worry because I thought, fuck, like, if I don't run workshops, if I don't if I'm not at the pub and you know once this job is over then what am I going to do like we're always planning so far ahead and I think I've just kind of had to say no fuck it you will always you will always have jobs offered to you you will always have an opportunity to earn money because you've set that up for yourself and I work fucking hard so I know that people want me back I'm actually surrounded by amazing people that that are really supportive so when I say to them I don't think I can give you any, like, I can't I can't give you any shifts or I can't do this job. Um, they're just like, okay, great, cool, let us know when you can. And that's really hard to come by because so many people lose our industry, leave our industry, should I say, because they can't find a balance between the money side hustle jobs and finding the time to audition and apply for auditions. And, and you know, when you've got an agent, it's that bit easier because you've got somebody working and pushing f for you. When you don't, you're pushing twice as hard. I guess that means that actually you can be double as satisfied when you land a role because you go, I've fucking done that and I put the work into that and I felt really, really proud. And that sounds really wanky, but I did feel really proud because... You should be proud. You've worked bloody yeah. hard and you yeah. deserve this. And we are so bloody excited to it's come and watch you. Honestly, we're going to be like groupies, fangirls around the UK <sighs> doing the tour with oh, you. This is everything that we knew would come for you but when you're doing it and you're like working and trying to make it work and probably doubting yourself at points and not sure what's going on we knew that this would happen for you at some point mm -hmm. it's just everything that we always believed in so i'm so fucking proud i'm so excited it was like a christmas Thanks. present for us as well because oh, oh just so excited. i mean it's wonderful january doesn't january doesn't fucking pop off like it has for me at the moment and but I'm really conscious of not being that wanker to be like oh it's all amazing and blah blah blah, blah, blah. there's such a such a pressure to I mean Twitter used to be like the hub it still is to a degree but Twitter's getting a bit negative at the minute for my industry it's just a little bit blah. everything's a bit showy showy but then social media is a little bit because we're using it as a tool to book jobs and to show people that we're busy yeah. for me at the moment I am busy and I am trying to make sure that I do adhere to you know, building that momentum and using that as a as a tool. That doesn't mean that it's all plain sailing because, like, the imposter syndrome, as soon as I landed that role and had that script and was reading all... Because, obviously, there's a lot of lines and stuff like that and learning all of that, I was like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. So that's, like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm going to... You know, I've had the nightmares of forgetting lines and, and then I'm worrying about what I'm going to do after. So it's such a fucking... It's a mind fuck because it's like, you land a role, dream role, and then all I'm worrying worried about is how do I juggle this 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 and this and this because I'm in the mindset of like having oh, I'm not in the mindset anymore but I was in the mindset of like okay so what's your backup plan what's your backup plan so many of us are taught to like yeah but if that doesn't go wrong make sure you've got a plan b and blah 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 I'm over here catering and making sure the plan B's are all like set up and all things like, okay, somebody, I'm like, what are you doing, Jade? You've landed the role, dickhead. Six months. Just, just enjoy it. it. You've oh, waited see. for this so, um, and you deserve it. And it's so, yeah, it. it's so, it's and so like, like, 
it's such an ingrained ingrained it's such an ingrained thing in some people not in all actors and artists or whatever but um but i guess we've just taught just to have all of these these plan b's these backups and 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 to you know be ready to fall on your ass that actually you end up attracting that to yourself until you draw the line and you go nope no more i'm an actor this is my side hustle that is all the energy that i can give to that because the rest of it has to go in into into me and into this role or into these roles or into this project whatever it is you're working on and i just wish that younger jade would have known that because i feel like had i not have prioritized all of the other jobs i would have left a little reserve for me a little bit more of a reserve for me so if i had any advice for any actors coming out of drama school or anyone that wants to kind of like give up and things you know where you can especially in fucking the middle of this cost of living crisis it's really difficult to say that but just go how much can i do i need to work a month to pay my bills and how much time can i free up to spend looking for some auditions or writing the projects that I want to be involved in because you know people will na especially if you're good at what you do people will naturally go do you want a bit more work and then you go yeah I'd love a bit more work and a bit more money and then all of a sudden you get into this cycle of like oh I'm earning all this money uh, you know you only you live to your means you live to your means if you're earning loads of money you'll spend loads of money if you're not earning a lot of money you won't spend a lot of money regardless you just have to weigh up what's more important to you is it time is it money is it lavish things and stuff and I think I just obviously in the meantime I was trying to save Nan's house so I needed to work I kind of had to sacrifice a couple of years like post-covid to show that on paper I was earning enough to get a mortgage fucking hell I think it's really interesting what you say as well about Twitter and it becoming a bit negative and pe what people portray on social media and we've said this millions and millions of times before but all I think of is that picture of an iceberg mm -hmm. where everyone yeah. sees you when you're at the top of the iceberg but actually there's like the majority of the iceberg is underwater and I feel like that's where a lot of people find themselves for a lot of their life struggling battling against like physical things that are happening to their body, mental things that are happening to their mind, career difficulties, but nobody realises the work and the effort that goes into getting onto the top Absolutely, of that iceberg. Yeah. And that's where you spend the majority of your time underwater, battling, trying to better yourselves. But I think you two, and for different reasons, are just the most resilient people I know. I just don't know how you do it. Like, Jade, I don't know how you face the uncertainty of your industry, but I admire the way you battle on L. I just don't even know how you deal with your day-to-day -day physical challenges. Like, you two are just oh. a bloody inspiration. I just love well, you both love so much. I how you throw <laughs> caution to the wind, Steve, and you say, oh. fuck this shit, I'm going away and I'm going to use... The well-earned <laughs> money that I've made and I'm going to go and live my fucking life. So uh, that you've rounded us up very well there, Stevie. Wow, what an episode that was. I think that's the longest we have ever recorded for um, and probably the most insight into our lives we've ever given you. But that brings us to the end of this week's episode because we are not going to bore you to death with a game. Um, don't forget to give us a review and send any questions to longstoryshortpodcast22 at gmail.com. Head over to our tiktok long story short pod and see what we've been up to we'll be back next tuesday and don't forget no story will ever be short as demonstrated in this episode Bye. <laughs>